No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. When studying the lives of Bible characters, it helps to know that they were human. Even someone like Abraham didn't always get it right. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis chapter 12 on Simply the Bible. Abraham is considered the father of faith. But how did he arrive at such a great title? It didn't happen overnight. Abraham's faith developed over time. His pilgrimage was a series of victories and lapses. But through it all, God was forming Abraham to be a great man of God. He works the same way in your life and in mine. We pick it up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Abram had obeyed the Lord and was in the land of promise. God had confirmed to him that he was giving the land to his descendants. But then a famine hit. Abram had flocks and herds and servants. How would they make it? Perhaps he even saw some of his Canaanite neighbors heading for the greener pastures in Egypt. Abram decided to go down to Egypt. God never told him to go. He followed the inclinations of his own heart leaned on his own understanding, and away he went. This is another test for Abram. Would he remain in the place where God called him, even though times were tough? God allows such tests in all our lives, and often they happen on the heels of great spiritual victories. God's famines can be times of spiritual dependency on the Lord, or they can be lapses of faith. Abram went down to Egypt. Egypt is a symbol of the world. In making the decision to go there, Abram was relying on his flesh rather than his faith. Verse 11, And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore it will happen that when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. As Abram approached Egypt, he became unsettled and then fearful. He knew he was married to a beautiful woman. Now, Sarah was at least 65 years old, but very attractive. And Abram began to worry what the Egyptians would do to him to get Sarai. We wonder if he felt that way. Why didn't he just turn the caravan around and go back to Canaan? But he had yet another scheme up his sleeve. Once we commit to a course of action, it is human nature to make it work at all costs. So Abram told Sarai, Please say you are my sister, that it may go well with me and I may live. This was all about Abram saving his own skin. Now, this was a half-truth because Sarai was his half-sister. They had the same father but different mothers. But a half-truth is a whole lie. The story was concocted to mislead. It was deliberate deception. To Sarai's credit, she never argued with her husband, 
even though he was wrong. She is held up as an example of a godly woman. We read in 1 Peter 3, 5, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. If ever a woman had the right to say to her husband, what in the world are you talking about? This was it. It would be natural for Sarai to be afraid what would happen to her if she went along with the deception. And the Egyptians actually took her as Abram's sister. But she submitted to Abram, and in the process, she put herself under the care and protection of Almighty God. Ladies, may I suggest to you that this is the safest place to be? True, your husband can and will make some bad decisions. But if you submit to your husband as unto the Lord, God will take care of you. He will protect you. Verse 14, So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Now what kind of culture is this where the sons of the king comb the country for more women for dad's harem? Oh, Sarai, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? When Pharaoh received the report of her exceptional beauty, he sent for her. Try to picture this. Sarai leaving her tent, climbing up into Pharaoh's carriage and watching Abram over her shoulder as she rides off into the sunset. I can only imagine what she must have been thinking. But the story gets worse. Pharaoh lavishes gifts on Sarai's brother as a kind of dowry, and Abram receives them. These were the luxury cars, stocks, bonds, and household servants of Abram's day. Not only was Abram loaded, he was overloaded with wealth. But his tent was lonely at night. Verse 17. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Abram had dropped the ball on protecting his wife, but God intervened on her behalf by sending plagues on Pharaoh and his household. We're not told what these were, but probably everyone started getting seriously sick. Verse 18, And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. We're not told how Pharaoh discovered that they were married. Did he have a dream? Did some Canaanite who knew the couple report it? Did they inquire of Sarai? We don't know, but somehow Pharaoh discovered the truth and confronted Abram. What have you done to me? Why did you tell me she was your wife? I might have taken her as my wife. From this, we inferred that Pharaoh had not yet had relations with Sarai, 
Despite Abram's failure, God intervened in the nick of time. Pharaoh gave Sarai back to him with a word to go his own way. In other words, get out of town now. (laughs) They sent Abram away with his wife and all that he had. Pharaoh never asked for his gifts back. His attitude was just go. God had told Abram that he would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, but here he was being sent away by the Egyptians. No doubt Pharaoh felt deceived and taken advantage of by this Hebrew wanderer. It is sad when God's people are suspicious of people in the world and assign motives to them that don't exist. Abram thought that the Egyptians would kill him because of Sarai's beauty. Instead, Pharaoh let them go and even made them wealthy in the process. Pharaoh's actions were righteous, whereas Abram's actions were deceitful. Nevertheless, God covered Abram's sin and protected Sarai and got him out of Egypt. What are we to learn from this story? First, we see that tests of faith are common to believers. We all go through them, but we don't always pass the tests. Abram is considered the father of faith, but going down to Egypt was certainly a lapse of faith. Likewise, we have lapses of faith, don't we? Especially when going through difficult times. Does that mean that God writes us off for our failures? If that were the case, none of us would make it. God continues to work out his plans in our lives even when we fail. Now, there are consequences to failures. But you say, well, what consequences? Abram went to Egypt rich and left richer. But while in Egypt, they gained a servant named Hagar, and she would cause them some trouble down the road. Also, Abram and Lot now had so many possessions that they wouldn't be able to live together. Lot now, having a taste for the worldly things of Egypt, would desire the same kind of lifestyle in Sodom, and that would prove to be disastrous. Let us remember the warning the Apostle Paul gives us in Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Our escapades down to Egypt have their consequences. Our reliance on the flesh rather than on the Spirit brings a chain reaction of corruption. It harms the people that we love and compromises our witness. It can even separate us from God. Nevertheless, the Bible says that even when we are faithless, He is faithful for He cannot deny Himself. The moral of this story is that it is better to suffer a famine in the desert in the will of God than to long for the greener pastures of this world and move outside the will of God. May God help us to abide in the place of our calling, even through the tough times, knowing that he who called us is faithful. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack no good thing. After we have suffered a little while, God will shower us with his goodness and give us an inheritance that does not fade away. Lastly, if you've had a lapse of faith, 
and you find yourself where you don't want to be, you don't have to remain in Egypt. God is gracious to his kids, and he covers over our faults. We see Abram's lapses of faith in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we are only told about his victories. Even so, God will bury our failures in the ocean of his grace because of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us clean and set our feet back on the path of promise. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. If you'd like to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website. It's at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. You'll also find an email address, and we would love to hear from you. Tomorrow we'll see that being overloaded with wealth has its problems. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Genesis on Simply the Bible. 